Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who has sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you also will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declared to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing out of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Our Savior. 
Father, we do thank you today that we have something to celebrate. We have the light of the world who has come to shine your light upon us. And God, I thank you today that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And we continue now to celebrate you, to celebrate your name and lift you up as we open up your word. And we pray that you will speak to our hearts. I pray that you will give us ears to hear so that we can obediently follow what your word teaches us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining with us again today. And I invite you to open in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. And I want to welcome you here who are worshiping with us in our worship center. And we also want to say a special welcome to those who are worshiping with us virtually. Um, we have a number of people who... Uh, for various reasons uh, are out there and can't be here and we want you to join in with us open your Bible as well to John chapter 8 as we walk through this passage and listen to what God has to say to us in our worship today there are many things that I love uh, about Christmas and I'm sure if you if you hang around me much uh, during this season of the year you're going to catch how much I really love the, the Christmas season. I love the music. Uh, I love the symbols. I love the food, especially. Uh, I love the rituals. I love the special services that we have around our Christmas time. There's just there's something special about the atmosphere that is created around the Christmas season, especially here uh, in America that is just, at least from my perspective, uh, incredible. And it's worth catching, whether it's in the neighborhoods or the shopping centers or out in the community, in the city, or in the homes. Uh, it's just a special, special season. And this is especially true for believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, so today, John's Gospel... Uh, reminds us of the greatest gift ever. I enjoy giving gifts. I do not do a good job with wrapping gifts. I mean, if you ever receive a gift that I have wrapped with wrapping paper, you know it. <laughs> because I just don't have that gift. I mean, some of you are just excellent at that gift. I don't have it. But God is an excellent gift wrapper. And he has wrapped for us the best gift that this world could ever have. I mean, I loved it when the fad started where they had these gift bags. <laughs> I mean, they bail me out. They save me. And so I don't have to worry about wrapping it. But when we look at God and the fact that he has wrapped the best gift ever in human flesh... We have something to celebrate. And so we're going to look into God's Word and we're going to celebrate that, especially today. Because God knows how to wrap a gift. Right here in John chapter 8, seven different times in this passage, God wraps the greatest gift of Jesus in a little phrase. 
And that phrase is, I am. If you have your Bible open, you notice in verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And in verse 16, the light of the world being Jesus, Jesus says about himself, I am not alone. In verse 18, he says, I am the one who bears witness of myself. In verse 23, he says, I am from above. And also in verse 23, he says, I am not of this world. In verses 24 and 28, he says, I am the Christ. And the meaning of that word is, I am the Messiah. And then we're not going to get there today, but if we were to go down through verse 58 with the discussion of, of Abraham, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And so seven times in this one chapter, God wraps the gift of Jesus in this phrase, I am. He actually begins the Gospel of John with looking at one of the aspects of this great gift that he's given us, the gift of light. In John chapter 1, verses 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then in verse 4, he says, In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the central message of John chapter 8 and chapter 9 is that Jesus Christ is God. In other words, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are one. And that message comes through through these chapters loud and clear. Jesus is God's greatest gift to us, wrapped up in human flesh. Thus, He is the light that shines in the dark world, and only in Him is darkness overcome. Now, in the Bible, we need to know for a context this morning. We need to know that darkness is associated with evil and pain and suffering, wickedness, and sin. And it was into this context, into this context, that God entered the world to personally overcome the evil and the pain and the suffering and the wickedness and the sin that is so prevalent in our world. So I want you to join me this morning as we unwrap this greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. In John chapter 8, beginning with verse 12. You've heard it read. And so we're just going to walk right back through this passage this morning. We're going to draw right out of this scripture text three truths that God wants us to know about this greatest gift that he has ever given to humankind. So let's dive into it. In this dark world, first of all, light represents God's presence. Light represents God's presence. The Jewish religion... It is a religion of symbols and celebrations. Even today, the Jewish religion is just full of festivals and celebrations. Uh, I, I wish we had more of that in, in our Christian tradition. But the symbols of this festival were key to understanding what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders of his day. There are four key words in verses 12 through 16 that we're not going to try to fully exhaust. In fact, I could do a four or five week series on each one of these phrases, each one of these words. Uh, but for our purpose today, we're going to see that these words were taken into account with the symbols that Jesus was looking at as he walked around the city of Jerusalem on this particular day. The area of Jerusalem was, was, was lit up with these huge torches that were constantly burning for the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles, which were being celebrated during this time. These torches were there to remind everyone that God had led the Israelite people from bondage in Egypt, out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, and they were led as they walked through the wilderness by a pillar of fire. That was light. 
that pillar of fire had a very special significance, should have had a very special significance to the children of Israel. And so Jesus looks at these giant torches that are burning all over the city, enough to light up the city constantly for the seven-day festival. Jesus looks at those lights, and in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, when Jesus said that, this was the key word. The key word is light. When Jesus said that, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, understood what he was saying. When he made that statement, the religious leaders got the message. They didn't like it, but they got the message. Jesus was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be God in the flesh. So in verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. The first part of that sentence leads us to know that they got it. They understood who Jesus was, was saying that he was. But they missed it. They said his testimony was not true. And so the light that circled the city, the old city of Jerusalem constantly for those seven days reminded the citizens of who God was. He was their light. He was their guide. He was the one who had led them through the wilderness. And that's who Jesus was claiming to be. But then he also said, or they said, your testimony is not true. Now, the word that's used here can be translated testimony or witness. The word is a very special word, and it's the second key word in this paragraph. The Greek word is martyria, M-A-R-T-U-R-I-A. You know what that sounds like, don't you? In our English, that word would be translated martyr. And so, right from the get-go, the Pharisees were listening to what Jesus was saying, claiming to be God, claiming to be the light of the world, claiming to be the presence of God in the world. And they were saying, this is going to take you down. Your testimony is not true. Your witness is not true. And in fact, they were opening the door for Jesus to become a martyr for the faith. Next year, we spend, we, we, we're going to spend most of the year kicking off in January. After we finish this Christmas series, we're going to spend from January through the summer looking at word by word, verse by verse, the book of Mark. And this very theme is a key to understanding what Mark is trying to say in his gospel. But for today, understand this. The plot was building against Jesus. And so the third key word in this phrase, after the word light and after the word witness or testimony, uh, the, the third key word is the word testimony. The religious leaders heard exactly what Jesus was saying. He was claiming to be God and they looked at him. And they said, blasphemy. You're claiming what only God can claim. And blasphemy under the Jewish law was a criminal offense. It was punishable by, by death. So in verse 14, Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from, came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. Circle that word judge. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Jesus said that his testimony was corroborated by the witness of God the Father himself. And so the fourth key word here is the word judge. See, because God created everything, only He has the right to judge. God is perfect. God is holy. God never makes mistakes. He is just. 
And so he alone has the, the ability, the credibility to be a judge. Being judged according to the flesh, which is the term Jesus used here, is man's standard. And man is not perfect. Man's judgment is flawed. Man's judgment is imperfect. And so Jesus claims that only God's judgment is 100% true. Only God's judgment is unflawed. Only God's judgment is perfect. And he's claiming that judgment for himself as he talks to these religious leaders. Now, once again, the religious leaders rightly heard what he was saying. That he is the light who exclusively provides God's presence. Who exclusively provides God's perfect judgment on this world. Jesus had had this conversation a couple times earlier in John's Gospel. You remember in John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. We learn later in this passage, we're not going to get there today, but later in this passage we would learn that Nicodemus was in this crowd. He was one of the ones who stood there during this conversation that Jesus was having with the Pharisees. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we have some of the most beautiful words that are quoted over and over and over again, even in our culture today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then in John three seventeen, God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world. He didn't come to judge the world. He did not come into this world to condemn the world. Good news. But that the world through him might be saved. The best news the world could ever have. But then we have verse 18 which says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of the only Son of God. So we have good news, bad news. Good news is, Jesus is the light of the world. Bad news is, not everyone accepts that. Not everyone sees that. Not everyone understands that. So the Pharisees heard it, but they missed it. And I want to encourage you today, please don't fall into that trap. Please don't miss what God is saying to you through His Word today. Please don't miss the fact that only He is the light of the world. Throughout this Christmas season, I want to challenge you that every time you see a light as a matter of decoration, or even throughout the rest of your life, every time you turn a light switch on and see the light, every time you turn your headlights on in your car, look out and observe the headlights on your car, be reminded that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and God is offering him to you as his free gift of eternal life. So don't be like the Pharisees here. Don't miss it altogether. The second part of this passage reminds us that in this dark world, light represents God's protection. Not only does it represent God's presence, but it represents God's protection. We read in verse 13, when the Pharisees were challenging the character of Jesus, it says, so the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself and your testimony is not true. Now, time out here just a minute. Please don't make that mistake. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus can only speak truth. Never doubt the truth that Jesus speaks. That's a dangerous position to be in. But that is the position that these Pharisees took. They took up offense to what Jesus has said. Your testimony is not true. So in verse 17, Jesus appealed to God's law. Do you see it? In verse 17, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. 
Verse 18, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me, Jesus said. Jesus said that he did have a witness. His witness was God the Father himself. A few times in my childhood, I was threatened by bullies. Every time I would be threatened by bullies, every time I was challenged, I knew that I had an advantage. I had brothers at home. And my brothers never, never turned down a fight. In fact, they welcomed a good fight. I could go get my brothers. To take on one of the bird boys meant you took on five of the bird boys. We stood together. And Jesus was looking at this crowd around him, and he was saying, I do have a witness. My witness is corroborated and protected by the Father in heaven, God himself. So in verse 19, they said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now when you're doing Bible exegesis, when you're studying scripture, you need to understand that there are no throwaway phrases in the Bible. Uh, it's easy to pass over a couple of phrases here that Jesus uses or that John uses about Jesus but don't, 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 don't do that. The, the treasury that they were standing in here was the area of the temple that was surrounded by 13 shofar-shaped receptacles, huge receptacles, where offerings for the needs and the concerns of the people would place their money so that no one in the community would go hungry, so that no needs that were out in the community would be met, nothing that needed to be repaired could, could be overlooked and not be repaired. These were huge receptacles for the people's money. And these receptacles symbolized the provision of God to His people and also symbolized the protection of God for His people. And John used this image, and this, this is just so neat. I mean, he turns this phrase, he uses this image to introduce the fact that the greatest gift that the world could ever receive was standing right there in their presence, right where those receptacles for receiving gifts was. The greatest gift of the world was there in the person of Jesus Christ. He had entered the world and this gift was available to all who would believe, the Bible said. It was a gift of relationship with God. God the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God offers you and me that same gift today. You sit in a building that we call a sanctuary. We call an auditorium. It's so easy for people to come in and out of here and miss the gift that God is offering. The reason why this building is sanctified and set apart for worship. Don't be like the Pharisees and miss what God was saying to them as they stood there in the treasury and looked around and missed who Jesus really was altogether. God's relationship with Jesus brought the light of the world of God's protection from the penalty of sin into this dark world. That day, his hour had not yet come, he says. But his day did ultimately come. And when it did come, through the cross and resurrection of Jesus, which started right there in that very spot where they were standing that day. The, 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 the situation began to unfold that very day before Jesus that would ultimately end up in his cross and resurrection experience. And that cross and resurrection brought for you and me 
the opportunity for us to have a restored relationship with God that would free us from the penalty of walking in the darkness of this world without the protection of God the Father. There's no greater protection in life than the gift of God's provision. That protection can only come through a relationship with God the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have access today to a protection source that's far greater than four brothers. <laughs> I mean, you have the strong, almighty, all-powerful arm of God to be your protection. Now, you need to know also that walking in darkness is dangerous, isn't it? We were walking to a location not too long ago, and it was very dark, and there were those roots and stumps that I kept getting tripped up because I, I couldn't see where I was going. It's dangerous to try to walk in the dark. Evil and pain and suffering and wickedness and sin are results of the darkness of this world. And light protects us from that darkness and the dangers of darkness. So I appeal to you again, please choose to live in the protection of the light of the world, Jesus. Tim Hughes wrote a song not too long ago. We often sing it around here. The opening lyrics are this, light of the world. You step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see beauty that made his heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Now for those of you who are like me, whose lives perhaps in the past have been wrecked by sin, or maybe you may be here today and you may be struggling with sin and wickedness and evil. Or maybe you're suffering with some kind of illness or you know someone who's suffering with some kind of disease that is a result of the darkness of this world. Understand that God has his eye on you and he has his arms open wide for you to bring you into his fold and protect you like no other source of protection can provide for you in your life. And so in this conversation then, Jesus leads to what I'm calling our third point. In this dark world, light represents God's provision. Light represents God's provision. We see that in verse 21. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself, since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Now the message here is very, very clear. It was clear to the Pharisees in the first century. It's clear to you and me today. The fatal sin of the religious crowd was rejecting the only one who can bring light into the darkness of this world. Rejecting very God himself in the form of Jesus. See, they were convinced that they understood God's plan. They thought that they had a clear idea of what kind of Savior they needed. But Jesus did not fit their idea. And so they stiff-armed him. They rejected him. You will die in your sins are the harshest words that any human being could ever hear. Because when you die in your sins, that means not only are you separated from God and walking through the darkness of this world, but you're separated from God for eternity. 
Jesus had a heavy heart for those who would not believe who he was. So are you trusting Jesus to be your Savior? Because you understand that he knows best. Or are you like the Pharisees looking for a better option to walk through the darkness of this world? Are you trusting God to graciously meet your needs even when you do not fully understand the cause or the consequences of the need that you have and why it's here and why you're having to walk through it? Are you clinging to the belief that you know what's best above what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you? Are you still shopping for a better offer? We like to shop during this time of the year, don't we? But shopping for a better offer than the offer that God has to give us through His Son Jesus is not a good plan. Not a good plan. Only Jesus can forgive you of your sins and provide eternal life for you. Jesus is God's only provision to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. So let me stop right here just a minute and ask you, have you trusted Him? Do you know for sure that your knowledge of Jesus is not just a head knowledge, but that it goes deeper into the relationship that God wants to have with you through Jesus, that He provides for you by offering His gift to you of the light of the world. Again, the Pharisees missed it. Look at verse 25. They said to Him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. They did not understand that He had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Jesus was referring to going to the cross, being lifted up on the cross, shedding His precious blood for the payment of the penalty of the sin of the world. That's, that's your sin. That's my sin. But Jesus didn't stop there. Look at, John didn't stop there. Look at verse 30. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Yes. Many believed in him. Could, could that be you today? Could this be the day when you finally quit trying to make it through life on your own. When you quit trying to stumble through the darkness of this world and find your own path, find your own way, find your own light, could this be the day when you would truly believe? So what does that mean? What did, he, what did the, the many believe that Jesus was talking about here when he says many believed in him? What did the many believe that, that separated them from those who did not believe? Well, Jesus talks about that in verse 31. Look at it. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What do they believe? They believe the truth. The many who believed, believed the truth. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today. And that's what I'm encouraging you to share throughout this Christmas season. Truth is the distinction between the believers and the non-believers. Was then, has always been, is now, and always will be. 
So what is the truth? If you could flip over to John chapter 14. Jesus says in verse 6, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the truth. That's the only truth that will set you free. The only truth that will save you from the darkness of this sin-filled, wickedness-filled world that we live in. Jesus is the light of the world. Truth has a name. And His name is Jesus. His name is the only name that can give you the provision that you need, supply for you the provision that you need to know God and walk with God and spend eternity with Him. A couple of weeks ago, we went down to the low country for a high school football game. Our team was playing in the game, and this has been a crazy year. Tickets have been really limited, haven't they? We, we can't just go anytime we want to. And so I went online to get the electronic tickets that you have to have to get in these games. And, you know, when I, when I pulled up the website, it was only an hour after the tickets were released. And it said, sold out. I called our high school athletic director. I said, I'm the pastor of the team. <laughs> I need to go to that game. And he said, okay, you go to the game, four-hour drive. When you get there, the athletic director's name is all you need to get in the gate, Link Lyles. So we pulled up to the gate, pulled up to where the lady was scanning the tickets and she said may i see your ticket i said link lyles she said come on in <laughs> my ticket had a name his name was link lyles and so we drove in and enjoyed the football game one day you're going to stand before god and God's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? You will only be able to get into heaven with one name. The true name. The name who is the light. And that's Jesus Christ. So please don't go through another day walking in darkness without Jesus. The possession of faith must come before your profession of faith. The possession of faith is your relationship with God through Jesus. So don't miss it. Jesus is the light of the world who can set you free from the darkness of this world. Jesus shared in verse 30, that many believed. I've already said, you know, what, what an incredible, credible statement. Many believed. Sharing the truth of the gospel was the task that Jesus had. He boldly spoke the truth. He knew the consequences of speaking the truth, and yet he continued to set the example for you and me to boldly share the truth. What is the truth? It's that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. And when the seeds of the gospel are sown, like Jesus was sowing here, when the seeds of the gospel are sown, many believe. Your job, according to Jesus, is to make disciples who make disciples. How do you do that? You do that by sowing seeds. I plant ryegrass in my yard every year. I quit trying to grow real grass. Uh, some of you do a good job with that, but I've sowed in my yard four times, not doing that again. <laughs> in October, I buy ryegrass, and I sow ryegrass in my yard. And for eight or nine months, I have the greenest grass anybody would ever have in Myrtle Beach. Beautiful. I was out sowing grass about a month ago, and I had this, these 50-pound bags of grass seed, and I was taking the seed from the bag and pouring over into my spreader, and I took my spreader and started away, and that whole big 
pound bag of grass seed fell over on the ground and that spot in my yard is like a carpet. I mean, it is like a thick carpet and it'll be that way until June when the sun, you know, burns the rye grass off. Okay. Our job as believers in Christ is, is, is not the results. We don't have to worry about the germination. We don't have to worry about producing the grass. Our job is to sow the seeds. And so if you have come to know the light that Jesus is, if you're living in the light, remember that our job is to speak the truth about Jesus. There's someone out there who wants to hear the truth about Jesus and they may never hear it unless we speak it. And so our job is to just sow those seeds and trust God's provision to bring the results. Provision for eternal life only comes to us from God above. And so abiding in Jesus is the only rescue that we have from this world and it's the only hope that non-believers have in the world. And so this Christmas season, when you see a light, let it remind you that God has come into this world as the light of the world. He's come into this world to set us free so that we can sow the seeds of the gospel in our world. One word of application and then a brief explanation about it. The light of the world becomes our light when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God's offering His salvation here today. There may be someone who needs to come to Jesus today and admit that you're a sinner, believe that He died for your sin, and trust Him to set you free from the penalty of your sin because Jesus is the light of the world. Make sure that you are abiding in the light, living in the light, continuing in the light, and then sharing the light today. And when you do, when you do, I promise you, it, it might be with some difficulty, it might be with some criticism from other people, but I promise you, if you live in the light and you share the light, you are going to shine like a star in a dark night. Jesus said it this way in Matthew's gospel, the first gospel, Matthew's gospel, chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. It's not my light. It's not your light that matters. It's His light. But I want to tell you something. We're just reflectors. And when we know Him and love Him and trust Him and share Him, His light is going to shine through us to others. Would you bow your heads with me? As you bow your head and prepare to continue to worship this morning, I want to invite you to examine your heart um, we're, we're at the time in our service where uh, we're going to continue to worship. And, and true worship can only happen to people who are truly connected in relationship to God. So make sure today that you know Him. Make sure that you have admitted that you're a sinner and believe that Jesus is the light of the world. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, make sure that you trust that. You're banking your life. You're banking eternity on the fact that you know Him and you trust Him. And God, how I pray today that there would be someone for the first time in their life who would literally say, I'm tired of walking in darkness and I'm ready to start walking in the light. I don't know all there is to know about this process, but today I just surrender all that I am asking you God to forgive me of my sin as I repent of my sin and turn away from my sin and help me to live the rest of my life making all of life about Jesus God that's my prayer that someone would pray here today in Jesus name let's stand and continue to worship <laughs>